the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Monday, February 19th, the first Sunday without football in a hell of a long time, which has me thinking baseball, watching basketball, a little bit of hockey, maybe some NASCAR today because uh, yesterday punted for the rain, except we're going to have an entire show on football because the NFL is a 12-month season and the articles keep pumping out of spotrat.com. Two more now live. One is the all bubble team, which we're going to highlight here today. And then a snapshot focus on one of those bubble players, quarterback Russell Wilson for the Denver Broncos, at least for three more weeks. Um, I know I've kind of been, been down this topic before last fall when everything kind of came about. We discussed the contract situation then. It's changed a little bit. Some of the options have slightly been adjusted based on 2024 numbers. And my interpretation of where I think things may end up has slightly adjusted. That's all in the piece. I'm going to summarize it here for the second segment of the show. But uh, let's get into it. We do our first roster bubble piece on Track usually around December 1st. So in writing this recent kind of greatest hits version of that, I referenced it. Some of the players had already been cut <laughs> before the end of the 2023 season. Uh, many of the players are still on board, right? They're tracking in that same direction. And some aren't. Some really took the last six weeks of the season and solidified their spot to the point of where I don't believe they are at all bubble players anymore. So while that piece still exists, you can reference it as you need. Instead of kind of writing one from completely from scratch, I did divisional work on every single roster where I told you, here's maybe three or four players in every single team that I think could be cut for cap purposes or traded or retirements. So you can reference those divisional pieces or this latest piece just kind of dives into the biggest names as possible. So one player at each position group and then a couple of kind of honorable mentions as well based on some recent news and things like that. Um, we're going to skip Russell. He's the obvious quarterback candidate. However, Jimmy Garoppolo is a very close second and things certainly got easier for the Raiders and Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of moving away in 2024 because of this absolutely stunning PED suspension for the first two games of the season, which not only does it help the Raiders right now, and I'll get to that in a second, but I'm not even, there's a world where Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't even get a contract now next year. Not because he's going to miss two weeks, just are we totally fatigued, right? I, I mean, the accuracy issues compounded with lack of leadership compounded now with this. He's 32 and a half. I, is he, is it going to be a, a league backup now for the next five years? I don't know if that's him. The dude's made $150 million. All right. I mean, I, I don't know that he needs to be standing with a clipboard. He might, he might just love the atmosphere and he's just kind of a go with the flow type dude. I, I don't know him. Obviously it seems like his, his days as a starting quarterback are long gone. And I'm not even sure that there's going to be an, an easy spot for him in 2024, this offseason now with the suspension in hand. What does the suspension do? Well, there was an $11.25 million base salary guarantee for 2024. And the Raiders were not shy. They were going to hand him that money and release him outright. Now, there might have been a post-June 1st designation, 
So it might have been kind of floated through June. But he was going to be free to sign with somebody else probably around March 16th because there was, a, there was another $11 million roster bonus set to be paid at that point in time. So this was going to happen. He was going to get moved on from. And now, because of the language in his contract, which I've actually had a look at, it's official. This two-game suspension, which he is not appealing, officially voids that $11 million. He will not earn another dime from the Raiders to walk out the door. Fact. They will take a $17 million dead cap hit, most likely all in 2024. I don't see a need to post June 1st designate him anymore. You still save $10 million by just moving on immediately and kind of taking your medicine all at once. So that's the expectation now, is that they're going to release him outright, pay him no more cash, save $10 million against their cap, and wipe their hands clean of it. It's a stunningly bad contract, okay? I mean, he took around 300 snaps for the Raiders and then was benched, and they paid him over $23 million cash last year. So not exactly efficient, and maybe that's the perfect mantra for Jimmy Garoppolo going forward. Um, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones kind of joined at the hip here, both guaranteed contracts to finish off their rookie deals. Both, I can't see a, a world, and we spoke with Cousin Dan last week, I don't see a world where either of these players exists on their current roster in 2024. So something's going to give, whether it's a buyout payment or some sort of seventh round swap. Uh, But I expect both these guys to move on in some capacity over the next couple of weeks here. Running backs, not easy to find cap casualties at this position anymore. As you might imagine, most of these players are down in the ones and twos and threes in terms of cap hits. So no need to really move on because you're saving pennies to do so there is a player unfortunately that carries a high cap hit next year who is coming off a nasty injury who i desperately think this team wants to stick with the player of course is nick chubb the browns who are not in great cap shape who have a lot of high priced assets especially at the quarterback position of course and nick chubb's entering the final year of this contract he's set to make over 12 million cash it's a near 16 million dollar cap hit in any shape, whether there's an injury, whether we know his age, with anything, this would be a red flag situation for a running back. So now you add in the fact that he's 28 years old, that he's coming off this injury, that the Browns have a lot of mouths to feed. My inclination is that they're going to get out of this contract and try to start fresh with Nick Chubb. There's $4 million of dead cap, so they'll have to carry that into this year in some capacity. But somewhat similar to what happened with Joe Mixon last year, where he turned where he turned 12 million over two years into excuse me, 12 million for one year into 12 million over two years. That can be a situation where I believe the Browns and Nick Chubb can find a landing spot. But for all intents, you have to get out of this contract. Um, some may say just cap convert him? I think my answer to that would be, I don't think he's worth $12 million anymore. And that's the biggest problem, is you just can't pay this, this guy at this age with that injury that much cash to kind of rehab back. Because this is a team that needs to contend right now. They're in their window. This Deshaun Watson situation is not going away, uh, but it's also halfway done, you know, in terms of where this guaranteed contract sits. So if he can't be Nick Chubb, obviously they're going to start, they're going to draft his replacement at some point in time here. But 
retaining him on this contract seems reckless in their current situation, even though everything about this player is an absolute slam dunk. There's just too many red flags right now to stay on this number. So he's the, the sort of greatest hits Hall of Fame bubble candidate at this position. The other ones aren't great. All right. Miles Sanders is fully guaranteed in Carolina, but he's been benched. Naheim Hines, obviously the jet ski injury last year at Buffalo. If he can pass a physical, I don't know why the Bills would stick with that $5 million. And Jeff Wilson is like the fourth running back on this team in Miami. And that's a team that's probably in the mix for Derrick Henry this offseason. So it seems like they'd move on and free up a couple million there as well because they are minus 50 against the top 51 cap right now as well. Wide receivers quickly. Mike Williams. Uh, if he can pass a physical, they'll probably move on from him. If he can't, that's something we got to keep in mind here. I'm not going to cut a guy when he's when he's hurt. It's basically against the rules. <laughs> okay, so you can pop list them. You can do some things to it. I, I have a feeling that Jim Harbaugh and this staff will be aggressive in some spots, but might slow play this one. And might just say, 29-year-old Mike Williams, we see what he does when he's healthy. It's not often. Let's just cap convert him. Throw him on the pup list. Hope, hope we can rehab him back to full health by week one. And, and see if we can, a new offensive style can kind of reinvigorate this offense with Justin Herbert. We'll see. Brandon Ayuk, of course, on this list as a trade candidate. Tim Patrick certainly going to fall off that Denver roster. And I believe, even though he had one or two absolutely massive plays down the stretch, there's no chance that Casey retains Marquez Valdez-Scantling on his $11 million next year. The tight end market's rock solid right now. The guys who are paid should be paid. For the most part, we're in the middle of the pack here. CJ Uzama in New York kind of got uh, stomped over by Tyler Conklin. I expect that to continue, and I expect New York to draft their next tight end of the future at some point over the next couple of months. David Bakhtiari is probably going to get released in the next 48 hours, if I had to guess. It's just kind of a good faith gesture. It's We know it's done. I mean, it's been done for years. The Aaron Rodgers stuff really helped him carry over and over and over, but he's in the final year of this five-year contract. There's a $21 million cash payment. There's a $40 million cap hit. Green Bay needs to clean up their mess as soon as possible, and you're freeing up over $20 million right now by moving on from Bakhtiari and kind of letting him get an early jump on free agency. Uh, in terms of guards, Lake and Tomlinson, another jet on this list, kind of a, an, an average player making more than average money. I don't know. How are the jets going to fix this offensive line in the next six months? Because Aaron Rodgers is 40. Uh, they've got a running back who can certainly be explosive when he's blocked for they've got at least one super excellent weapon. In terms of Garrett Wilson, there's pieces, but I hope they, this team is all in on flipping this offensive line over and over and over. And that starts with upgrading and moving on from Lake and Tomlinson. You can free up over $8 million of cap space by doing so, which will certainly help you on March 13th. Center Corey Lindsley <clears throat> seems like he's going to have to retire. Unfortunately, he was diagnosed with a heart-related condition, and the Chargers basically put him to the side midway through last season, and it's not expected that he'll be able to return. Uh, there's no more guarantees on this, so it's, it's just about taking on some dead cap from the signing bonus. And uh, unfortunately, it doesn't appear like this is going to be a situation that can move forward. On the defensive line, I have selected Davon Godshaw, a player who I really thought was going to break out in this AFC East for New England. 
And that defense has been strong. It seems like he's one of those pieces going backwards, not forwards. It was a $15 million guarantee just 18 months ago. I mean, this is this was a guy that they believed was going to be part of this defensive core. And I think a few of those pieces will move on this offseason. Godshaw God probably being one of them. Kyle Duggar, Duggar, the safety, is going to get outpriced quickly in free agency if he's allowed to walk there. Uh, so I think it's still trending downward for New England before it starts to get, get better uh, under the new coaching staff. We'll see, though. This is a move I would expect to make for cap purposes over the next couple of weeks. All right, here comes the hot take stuff. We talked about this a little bit with Dan. Um, the notion from the Chargers is that their big move this offseason may be to trade Klumak, who had, what, 15 and a half sacks, career highs across the board, had all of his incentives. That's fine. Mac is entering the final year of his contract. He is the older defensive player on this roster right now. 30, just turned 32 years old. Set to make over $23 million cash against the $38 million cap hit. So it's ugly. And something's going to have to be done with Cleo Mack's contract, whether it's a cap conversion, whether it's a small extension. I don't know if I'd recommend that in his age 33 season, but something's going to have to be done. If you can find a trade taker, you probably take it. You are selling high on a 32-year-old edge, edge defender. That is very hard to do. Um, so I'm not going to say that the, the rumor out there is 100% incorrect. I would just be looking at Joey Bosa because I believe there are teams out there that would still value his ceiling as a much better situation in terms of a, draft, a trade return for what the Chargers could bring back. So Bosa's got about two for 48 left. None of it has an early guarantee. Yes, there's roster bonuses every March. But it's a really nice time to move on from a player that just cannot stay healthy for you. And I think what I'd be selling is he's just not healthy for us. All right. He's, he's being asked to do a role that just hasn't fit him from the get-go. Now, yeah, he's had a couple of 10, 11, 12 sack seasons. And he is, certainly has a ceiling as the number three overall pick back in 2016. But this is about the time when he should be requesting a new contract. Two years left. You start the process now. You probably don't get to that extension negotiation until next offseason with one year remaining. But you start the conversation now. Joey Bosa is not starting that conversation. He played nine games last year, played five games the year before. He's just not... He doesn't have the resume right now to warrant the extension, which could be good news for another team. You know what I mean? A lot of these situations are we're trading a player because we don't want to pay him anymore. If the, if the onus is we know he's not getting paid... Teams will take this on for one year for, as a flyer. And I think his return would be better than Cleo Max right now. So I'm going to give the edge to Bosa, no pun intended, in terms of the number one bubble candidate at the edge defender position. And Cleo Max, a close 1B. Leighton Vander Esch, the inside linebacker for Dallas. He's really struggled with injuries. There's a spinal stenosis situation going on. It seems like he shouldn't return. I know Dallas has tried to bring him back a few times now. It seems like he shouldn't try again. One million of his salary next year is fully guaranteed. If he retires, there's going to be some back and forth on that. I think Jerry pays him a little injury settlement. They work out a situation where they free up two million of cap space, and uh, and they just have to move on. And this is another position they have to replace this offseason, along with maybe two offensive line spots, maybe three if there's a big swing over there. What do you do with Michael Gallup? Are you going to pay C.D. Lamb? Are you going to pay Dak Prescott? And there's some safety situations going on as well. A lot of mouths to feed.
a lot of miles to feed on this roster. So if you think the Dallas Cowboys are simply going to walk it back, uh, plenty of March moves have to happen before that becomes a reality. And I would expect something here with Van Der Esch to be one of them. Speaking of tough decisions, Xavier Howard in Miami kind of went through the ringer, right? I mean, held out, got one of those little cash early extensions, then got a big extension where he got paid well for two years here. And he's just not holding up. All right. They brought in Jalen Ramsey. You knew that was going to be a sign of something that was coming down the pipeline here. I can't imagine that this organization who probably has to pay Tua and Jalen Waddle, if not today, next offseason, want to remain with Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard on their books at this capacity. It just doesn't seem like the right move. Chubb is paid. Christian Wilkins needs a contract. It, there's a ton on the offensive line that has to get up, upgraded in the next 18 months. So I don't believe that Xavier Howard will be retained, but it's not an easy out. There's $23 million of dead cap here. Um, there's a salary guarantee coming up in about a little less than a month, March 15th. It's a, it's a tough cookie to move on from. He's a, he's a solid player. He's just not worth this money right now at almost age 31 for the 2024 season. Um, this will be a player highly, highly monitored. So in terms of bubble players who become top free agents, I would expect this name to hit a lot of lists in terms of team needs and things like that. Probably going to be a post-June 1st designation, uh, which isn't easy because it's an almost $26 million cap hit. That's something Miami has to has to float on their table until June 2nd. And then the Band-Aid can, can rip off a little bit at 7.4 and 15.6 over the next two seasons. But that's probably the route they go. If they don't, if they take the whole thing as a pre-6-1 release, they still save almost $3 million. So it's not like that's a negative move. It's just not as impactful as they want. They might not have a choice. Yeah, they, they're minus 50 right now. I know they want to do some addition by subtraction and some addition by addition in March. They may need to take the 2.8 just to rip this Band-Aid off early and move on from there. Either way, remember, Howard becomes an immediate free agent with or without that designation. And uh, like I said, we'll probably jump to the top of a lot of lists here. The Seahawks are almost certainly going to finally move on from Jamal Adams. What a contract from hell this has been, all right? It's been $46.4 million over the last three seasons. He has been on the IR each of those seasons, unfortunately. Um, this was just a nightmare from the get-go. If you remember the trade, multiple first-round picks, a third-round pick, a bunch of players, uh, just a mess. I mean, the Jets absolutely fleeced them on this one. And when's the last time we said something about the Jets like that? It's been a total of, I'm trying to do the math here, 24, 25, 34 games in four seasons. Not ideal for a player that you paid top of the market safety money to. Guaranteed 38 million. Ended up paying over 46. And now have to take on 20 million of dead cap to watch him walk out the door, unfortunately, in 2024. <clears throat> before even more of this thing gets uglier. So I, I don't think that this reunion will remain. Um my guess is they ripped the bandaid off early. Same with Howard. Take the $6 million in savings to do this in March. And hopefully, he can kind of resurrect things in, in a different change of pace on probably a showcase contract as he still tries to get back to full health. Important, though, not quite sure where he is in his recovery right now. He's got to be able to pass a physical to move on. So if not, 
this is a situation that could run into the spring to the summer to see where things go before they make a big decision on this one. Kickers. Uh, this is not a hot take decision. This is actually a uh, analysis, educated objectiveness. I, I believe that San Francisco will move on from Jake Moody. And I know that sounds crazy and it sounds like recency bias because of what we just saw in the postseason. This was their third round pick last year, which is unheard of these days. The number 99 pick went to kicker Jake Moody. It's It was at the time San Francisco playing chess, not checkers. And it kind of backfired. All right. This was a guy that hit 84% of his field goals last year. He was extremely solid on PATs, uh, which is ironic, right? Because the PAT is the reason that the 49ers didn't win the Super Bowl, give or take. To me, it's just not enough. This coaching staff appears to have lost, lost faith in this kicker more than, at more than one time. Now, he hit a couple of absolute hammer 50-yarders in that Super Bowl as well. So I'm not saying that the resume is completely marred up. But the guaranteed portion of this contract is gone. They can walk away from this thing on a minimum salary, free up about 560000 in cap, which isn't much, I know. But you know, when you're a contender, every little bit helps. But more importantly, you can do this at any point in time and either draft another kicker, bring in a couple of UDFAs, or sign somebody in free agency this offseason to at least compete with Jake Moody down the stretch. So this may not be a March 13th move, by any means, but I would not be surprised if San Francisco is actively shopping force for kickers, all free agency, and certainly into the draft and after the draft to at least compete with a now non-guaranteed contract for Jake Moody going forward for the next three seasons. Tressway has been with the Washington football team for the last 10 years, and I think it's over, <laughs> okay? Uh, easily his worst statistical season. It's, the, it's an expiring contract year for him, set to make a little over $3 million. They can walk away and free up 3.15 against their cap. They lead the league in cap space right now, so it's not like this would be a cap-related move necessarily speaking, but stands to reason that the 33, almost 34-year-old likely gets replaced this offseason, and they can free up over $3 million of cap to do so as well. All right, let's dive into Russ a little bit here. Like I said, there's a giant-sized piece on SpotTrack.com that I posted, which is a reinstated version of something I did last fall when the news kind of broke. I kind of uh, highlight some things early on in the piece, and I'll state those word for word here. These are the four things that I think you really need to know. And by the way, the, the reason I'm diving into this again and now is... We are less than a month away from this becoming a reality. And for all intents and purposes, it's going to be a reality. And that reality is historic in terms of what I do for a living. All right, This is not something that we have seen before. The Josh Rosen experience was kind of our first version of that fully guaranteed rookie wage scale quarterback contract getting booted to the curb about two years in. And we're starting to see more and more of that. I think we're going to see two versions of that this year with Mac Jones and Zach Wilson, right? So that was precedent setting then. This is now the version of the how do I get out of this ridiculous quarterback contract since quarterback contracts have risen to these unbelievable levels, right? Generally, when you're in, the potential outline that we draw is the actual reality. Nobody even thinks about moving away from a quarterback until that contract draws that line. Well, we're two years away from that line, okay? We're not one year away. We're two years away from that line. And the reason 
that Denver is so publicly outspoken about this is they want nothing to do with next year. They probably would have been okay with 2024 and the $39 million he's guaranteed right now. They probably could have salvaged that. And that's what this discussion all came about, right? It was after the Kansas City victory, a big-time swing in Denver season last year. They brought Russ into the room. They said, here's what we need you to do, man. All right? We don't think this is going to be a long-term situation. We want, we want to be able to get out of this and, and, and kind of have an amicable disposal of this contract. As of right now, if we, if we continue in 2024 together, when March 17th gets here next year, so in one month, all of your 2025 salary becomes fully guaranteed too. So here's what we want you to do. We just want you to take that March 17th guarantee and move it back to 2025. So that now we now have the option to keep you in 2025. But if we don't want to, there's no guaranteed money yet. And Russ basically stood up and said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm out of here. <laughs> right? And that was that. And from what we've heard through the grapevines, it's been ugly, ugly ever since. So that's how it went down. And that's why we're here. All right. 2024 was already guaranteed when all of this was discussed. So that hasn't changed. It's all about 2025. And that date is March 17th, 2024. That's when the option bonus for this season will be paid. And that's when all of 2025, 37 million would have become fully guaranteed. So in light of all this, Denver is going to move on. And we heard it in the fall. It was kind of the, the, the situation where I said out loud, I have to see it to believe it. We're here. The same people who were saying this was going to happen are still saying it's going to happen. So now I just have to assume it's going to happen. And the reason I'm kind of treating it with this much delicacy is <clears throat> the numbers I'm about to tell you are real. <laughs> okay, These are not fake. These are real. Russell Wilson has $85 million of dead cap right now. All right. That $39 million cash that's due to him for the upcoming season and $46 million of bonus proration, which is Denver's. That goes nowhere. If they trade him, the $46 million stays with Denver no matter what. Similar conversation to what we had about the bills with Stefan Diggs. The $31 million that, that, of dead cap that's attached to Stefan Diggs is bonus dead cap. All right? It's the Buffalo Bills no matter what happens. So is there a world where he's tradable? I, I, don't, I, I can't even imagine. All right? Un, unless Denver eats, what, 30 of the $37 million? excuse me, 30 of the 39 million, right? You make him a less than $10 million quarterback this year. The problem though, the problem with trading Russell Wilson isn't 2024. It's the same problem that Denver was having. It's that on March 17th, just four days after you're actually allowed to trade somebody, March 13th, the league year start, all of 2025 locks in. Nobody's going to sign up for that. They're just not, <laughs> okay? So yes, in this, in this options article that's live on Track right now, there is a paragraph for finding a trade partner. And I basically you know, shoot myself in the foot one sentence in saying, this is not going to happen, but you can read if you want to. So let's just assume it's not possible. That, that literally means that $85 million of dead cap belongs to the Denver Broncos in some capacity. And there are seven ways or six ways you can handle that $85 million. You know, the worst of them being you don't exercise the option, you take it all as salary, and you release him without a post June 1st designation on March 16th. 
that would mean <laughs> exactly what you think it is. An $85 million cap hit for 2024, which is insanity. They would lose almost 50 million of cap space by doing that. So it's an option. It's a terrible one. Okay. <laughs> um, the post 6-1 designation still might be the best move. And there are a couple of ways that this can go down. And that's why this article got a little in the weeds and rightfully so. It's, this is not supposed to be a simple process. You're not supposed to be able to do this. <laughs> All right. Guaranteed contracts are so hard to come by. When you get them, you're not supposed to be able to try to get out of them. And they're not, by the way. All right. They're simply getting out of the final year by paying out the third year as a buyout instead of a salary. That's what's happening here. This was supposed to be a four-year guarantee. And now it's going to be a three-year guarantee because they're buying out the third year to get rid of the fourth year. Crazy, right? If they just say out loud, we are designating Russell Wilson a post-6-1 release. And they announce that they have not picked up his option. Okay. Which means, let me explain that a little bit because the article references a lot and it's kind of the down and dirty side of some of this contract stuff with the NFL. If they do not exercise his $22 million option bonus, it converts into base salary. All right. So right now it's a $17 million salary and a $22 million option bonus. The way the NFL operates is we are supposed to treat the option as exercised by default when, when we enter these contracts into our system. So right now you're seeing a cap hit, a bonus probation breakdown that includes that 22 million spread out over five years, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. All right. If they decide we are not exercising that 22 million, it doesn't mean it goes away. It means it turns into salary. So now the base salary becomes 39 million fully guaranteed all for 2024. So you lose the ability to push some of the dead cap into 2025. But that may be exactly what Denver wants to do. All right. If this is going to be year be the year of trading Jerry Judy and trading Cortland Sutton and maybe trading Javante Williams and moving on from, I don't know, do you move on from Patrick Sertan as well? Because you don't want to pay him, you know, $70 million guaranteed. All this stuff has been rumored. Sean Payton is just completely taking an ax to this roster, at least hypothetically speaking. If that's going to be this kind of year, then I don't know that you want to do too much damage to 2025 when you have to start to pick up the pieces as quickly as possible. So just flat out saying we are nixing the option. We're going to take it all in 2024, but also still designating him a June post-June 1st release. What that now means is 53 million in dead cap for 2024 and only 32 million in 2025. So it's the reverse of how most post 6-1 releases happen. For the most part, teams designate a post 6-1 release so that they can reduce their current year's cap hit and take more next year when the cap will be higher and certain factors maybe will be going in their favor. But Denver can front load it by not exercising the option. It is rare. It is unique. 
it's something we've seen Philadelphia do at times, not many times, but you know, when you've been doing this stuff 15 years, this kind of nerdy stuff sits in your head a little bit. This is, you know, spoiler alert for those who don't, don't want to read. This is the option I ended up saying Denver should go with. And I realize telling an organization they should take on a $53 million dead cap hit this year is insanity. But let me, let me break this down one more step. And this is where we're going to stop. If you want to understand the other options, please go read. Hit me up at Spotrick on Twitter. We'll go from there. Um, I've already probably bored the bejesus out of most of you. But <clears throat> the reason I picked this is this is what you have to think about. The $53 million hit is insane. All right. And let's say that the cap comes in at 243. It's close to where we're, we're projecting it. All right. We're talking about almost 22% of Denver's cap, give or take a few million for adjustments when those come in in the next couple of weeks. It's a big, big, big number. All right. For reference, Patrick Mahomes last year carried the highest cap in the league and won the Super Bowl. All right. And if I go back quickly in our data, I believe his $37 million cap hit was just under 17%. So four, four and a half percent higher than what the highest resolution was last year. Big number. All right. But you only have to carry it to June. And I realize it's going to absolutely destroy their ability to operate over the summer. I, I kind of think that's the point of Denver's offseason. Right. So if 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 that's the model that we're that we're kind of adopting here, that Denver is just going to have not so much a fire sale, but just kind of a rip it up and purge as we've seen Jacksonville do at times, Buffalo's done it recently. Hell, San Francisco did it before San Francisco got good, before the Shanahan era, right? They were front-loading everything because they wanted either to, to take it on and then be able to get rid of it quickly, or they wanted to be able to take it on and have unbelievable value year two, three, four. So there's different versions of doing this. This is obviously a case where you're doing it because you only want, you want to limit the pain next year. You are, you are going to take as much pain as humanly possible this year. And that's just the price to pay for this kind of contract that they signed, that that GM still here, is still here for, by the way, <laughs> right? And is going to be the one to make this decision. I can't believe that's happening, but it's happening. My recommendation would be float the $53 million through all of 2024 and then just suck it up, right? If you have to cap convert a few offensive linemen. If it means you're not going to sign Patrick Sertan until next... Yeah, all these things. All these things. You're going to have to make sure that the core players that you're trying to retain through this Sean Payton era are fully aware of what's happening here. Because if they were to go this route and you got guys like me spouting about how, how unprecedented that $53 million hit is for 2024... By the way, it wouldn't just be the highest dead cap hit. It'd be the single highest single cap hit in the history of the NFL for a player who is not on the roster, for a player who is going to be going to carry a $32 million cap hit for you next year as well. So historic in every, in every way. And it'll be all over the news, all over the media. But regardless, just make it all go away after the season. We'll forget about this September 10th. Everybody will. Now, I'll, I'll say some stupid stuff about how, you know, Denver's playing Jacksonville and Jacksonville's entire offense accounts for less than $53 million and Russell Wilson accounts for 50. You, you know how this works. It'll percolate every now and then is my point, but 
I think this is the best approach. Can they handle 53 million? I don't know. I, I don't know what they have in store. I don't know some of the idiosyncrasies that go on that, on that salary cap table. I can tell you what they have frontward facing based on what we're projecting. It's not impossible, but it's not easy to fit that in. So if you're going to tell me that exercising the option and then making him a post 6-1 designation just makes life easier for everybody, you're right. But I wouldn't want to sit with 50 million in 2025. I'd want to be done with the conversation by then. And at 32 million, you can be. This cap will be 260. 32 into 260 is a much more manageable situation. There may be two or three other dead cap hits in the 30s right around Wilson next year, if that's the case. So that's how that's where I landed now in kind of version two of this Russell Wilson situation is A, it's gonna happen. B, there's not a trade partner. So C, what kind of post six one is this going to be? Is it going to be the one where you front load or is it going to be the one where you traditionally take less this year, take more next year? It's nothing's really as significant as it could be, but it's still 85 million at the end of the day. All right. Probably the latter, but my objective vote is going towards bite the bullet this year and uh, give us a reason to, to celebrate this thing even more. Because like I said, this hasn't happened. This really shouldn't happen. And uh, the fact that it is happening is big news for the contract nerds across America and across the football world. All right. Baseball's here. Spring training games start this week. Cousin Dan and I will be doing our win total over under projections. Something we love to do on an annual basis. We'll talk about some of those free agents, hopefully that have signed. Might get a couple of extensions here at the final hour. That seems to be a trend with Major League Baseball. If not, the, the back end of free agency, usually we're at the start of the season so that we can roll that uh, luxury tax situation in 2025 instead of 2024. But some things definitely coming down the pipeline that we're uh, monitoring slowly, including a couple of trades as well in baseball. And uh, look, this is the official halfway point of basketball. In terms of the all-star break, it'll be full speed ahead. Keith Smith has his summer cap space project projections live on spotrack.com and plenty more coming from him as well in the immediacy for Scott Allen. My name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spotrack Podcast.